The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory, Glory to you, Lord, Lord Christ. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good fortune, which will not be taken from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So here we are once again in Luke on this wilderness journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. From the glory of the ministry in Galilee to the suffering of the cross, this, this journey of transformation, this journey of challenge, this journey of teaching, a, a journey in which we see what it means to be teachable as a disciple of Christ. And now we have, in Luke's narrative, Christ enters a certain village. And he meets Mary and Martha now we know from John's gospel that Mary and Martha lived in the town of Bethany. It's really close to Jerusalem. But in, in Luke's narrative, it's a certain village. Because this is a narrative in between. It's a narrative of journey. And if, if Luke puts it too close to Jerusalem, there's, there's not room for the rest of the journey. And so we have to look and say, wow, why, why does Luke put this particular story because Luke's arranged his gospel to tell the story of transformation, not to tell the story chronologically. So we have to ask, why, why is Luke putting this particular story in this particular place along this journey? And so we need to look at where we've come from. So Jesus has foretold his death. He's told the disciples, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and on the third day be raised. And then he sets his face to Jerusalem. The disciples face rejection in Samaria. They want to call down fire, and Jesus says, no, that's not what we're doing here. Some people come and want to be his disciples, and Jesus says, it's really hard if you're going to follow. He says, you've got you to leave behind everything to follow me. And then he sends out the seventy. He sends them out dependent upon the hospitality of the towns in which they will enter. He sends them out without anything to go and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And then he looks back at Galilee and says, you know, if even the Gentiles had seen all the works that had gone on, they would have done something. They would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Last week, we heard the question of the self-righteous lawyer who had all of the knowledge and said, yes, to inhabit eternal life, I need to love God above all things and love my neighbor 
as I do myself. And Jesus looks at him and says, then do it. The lawyer tries to justify himself and says, well, who, who, who exactly is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story. And he asks the lawyer at the end, so who is the neighbor to the injured man? The lawyer says, the one who did mercy. Jesus says, go and do that. And now we come to this place with Mary and Martha. And Martha is busy doing. And Mary is teachable. Why does Jesus put this here? And as we look at Luke, we need to also listen to the echoes. The echoes of other stories. We heard in our readings the way that those who put together our lectionary heard an echo as Abraham offered hospitality to the Lord, to the three men. A beautiful look at God as Trinity. In fact, one of the, the most beautiful icons, it's an iconic icon, um, is Rubalev's Trinity of the three men visiting Abraham. Beautiful theology and art in that work. We have this echo of the Lord coming to visit, being welcomed with hospitality and a promise. The promise of a son to Abraham and Sarah. When we read Luke, we also need to say, wow, where are the echoes in Elijah and Elisha? As we looked at the sending out of the 70, I looked at the echo of the hospitality of the widow at Zarephath. That's because I wanted to save the, the echo of the Shunammite woman and Elisha for this week. But both are, are stories of the prophet being sent to a place to depend upon hospitality. And if we listen to this story of Elisha traveling about, and, and a woman of means says, come into my house and be welcome. She says to her husband, this man is a man of God. We need to welcome him. Let us build a, a chamber on our roof that he may have a place to sleep when he comes through this way. And Elisha says to his servant, this woman has shown me hospitality. What, what should I do for her? What does she need? And the servant says, you know, maybe a, a letter from the king or from one of the other leaders. Maybe a, a, a big thank you gift. Elisha says, no, 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 no. I... And finally, the servant says, maybe a son. And so Elisha goes down and he says, this time next year when I come and visit, you will be holding a son. And the woman says, oh, no, no, no. That can't be. After all that I have suffered, after all that I have waited, do not disappoint your servant. Don't tease me with this promise. Lo and behold, the next year there's a son. And then several years later, as the son is old enough, goes to his father in the field and says, I have a headache. He's carried back to the house and soon dies. And the woman sends for the man of God, for Elisha. And Elisha sends his servant. He sees her far away and sends his servant and says, go and run. Take no staff or take my staff. Um, now I have to find it. says, um, she comes, 
When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shunammite woman. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with your child? And she answered, All is well. And then she comes to the mountain of God and says, My son is dead. And then Elisha says to his servant, Tie up your garments about you. Take my staff in your hand and go. If anyone, if you meet anyone on the road, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. This sounds very much like the instructions to the 70. This urgency of going to do the work of the kingdom. And the servant sets the staff of Elisha on the young boy and knows that he's dead. And Elisha comes and prays, and the young man is raised from the dead. We know the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the brother who is raised from the dead. So we see these echoes in the stories that everyone knows, everyone that has grown up in this community of Torah and teaching, knows these stories. They're as common as little kids who run eventually fall down. And they know the story that comes right before the Shunammite woman. As one of the prophets has died, and his widow comes to Elisha and says, how can I support myself? My husband is dead, and the creditors are coming. They're going to take my house. Elisha says, go. Gather up from all of your neighbors the empty vessels that they have. Take this little jar of oil and pour. And all of the vessels from all of the neighbors, she pours into and she tells her son, go and get more. Go and get more vessels. He says, there aren't any more vessels in the whole town. And then the oil stops. There are vessels to be filled. So now we come back to Mary and Martha in this certain place, and really in this specific place in Luke's narrative, and we ask, why is this put here? And if we look back at the fullness of Torah in the way of the wisdom tradition, what we have are statements that are true and true almost all of the time but they're not all the way true. They don't contain the fullness. And so we see things like God blesses those who are righteous and curses those who are evil. Good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And that's true most of the time. But if we hold too far to that, we get out of balance. And we start to say, wow, something bad happened. You must be a bad person. And so we have places of correction in the canon of Scripture. In this case, Job is the corrective to going too far. Job, the righteous man, has bad things happen to him. And all of his friends come and, and they say, you must have done something bad. And he hasn't. And so when we hold too much to one part of Scripture, when we get out of balance in our reading, 
God in his graciousness provides balance somewhere else. So as Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem, we have all of these stories about doing. Go and do, go and do, go and do. Go and proclaim, go and receive hospitality, go and do mercy. And now we come to this house of Martha and Mary. And Martha is busy about doing. She is very busy about doing all of those things in hospitality that would have been expected. And there's Mary. Just sitting there. Sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And Martha says, Lord, Lord, can't you see this? She's not doing Jesus very gently turns and says, Oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things, but there is one thing needful. Mary has chosen the better portion, and it will not be taken away from her. Now I know you're waiting for the answers, but I'm not going to give you the answers. See, that's part of the beauty of this passage of Scripture. Luke invites us into this certain village. He knows the name, we know the name, but he doesn't tell us the name. He says, and we come into this story of these two women, and Jesus gives the answer, and yet there's enough openness that we can see ourselves into this story. For several weeks, we, on our, in our Wednesday night groups, we've, we've walked through this process of imagining ourselves into Scripture, of reading and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us into the place of certain people. And this is a beautiful place to do that, to say, wow, if I'm Martha, and all of these guests have come into my house. And I'm busy about things. And I look over and I see Mary. What stirs in my heart? Perhaps there's this root of bitterness or envy that I have for people who can sit still at the feet of the Lord and not worry about the dishes. Perhaps there's a bit of comparison in me. Well, this is one village and one house among many that the Lord is coming to. I really want it to be the best. And I'm worried and anxious about the things of comparison. Perhaps I might even look and as I sit in the seat of Martha, or really, Martha doesn't sit. If I stand in the shoes of Martha, do I recognize this idolatry of performance? If I do all the right things in all the right ways, then perhaps I will be enough and I will be loved. Jesus comes. Martha's busy about many things. And Martha looks to Mary and sees something. What do you see in your heart?
And then we have Mary. Mary in gentleness, sitting at the feet of Jesus, choosing the better portion. Perhaps as we sit in stillness with Mary, we hear the invitation to the gentleness of contemplation. The other part of this process is to take the questions that we have, to take those questions into conversation, into prayerful conversation with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with Mary, with Martha, with Luke, maybe even Abraham and Sarah, whoever the Lord places in front of you, and take it into conversation and ask those questions. And to prayerfully ask, what is the one thing that is necessary? As we sit, and Jesus has said to Martha, you're worried and anxious about many things. One thing is necessary. tell you what my one necessary thing is, but instead I invite you to sit in this passage, to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I know you say there's one necessary thing. What is it? May I be humble enough to be teachable as to what that one necessary thing is for me. Perhaps we ask the question, what is this better portion? And why is this better portion better? Lord, can I have this better portion? I invite you to take that question into your prayer as well. To be humble enough for the Lord to say, this is the better portion. Choose and it will not be taken away. Finally, we come to this question about the heart of hospitality as we look at Martha and Mary. And as I sat in this passage, I wondered, okay, what is this heart of hospitality? You know, Jesus has sent the 70 out, go, say, peace be upon this house, and when your person of peace answers, your peace will rest there and be multiplied. And if the person refuses, your peace will return to you, losing nothing. What does it mean to receive in peace? What does it mean to have this heart of hospitality? Sometimes my heart, when people come over, is to try to impress with all of the things that I have. It's pretty easy to impress with my wife's cooking, but I can't really take credit for that. But what, what is my heart? Is it, come, be in my house, be in my house, enjoy my stuff. Look to me as the host. Or is my heart a heart of love? Come and be welcome. Come and you find rest. Come and you encounter peace. You know, one way, the way of trying to impress is truly the way of emptiness. I invite you into my house because I 
am empty inside, and I think that perhaps your approval can fill my emptiness. You leave and I am empty. But the way of love is always the way of fullness. Come into the fullness of love in my dwelling. Come and my fullness will be in you. And you leave and we're both full. This is the true heart of hospitality. See, Jesus turns it around a little bit. Jesus comes into this house in this certain village, this house where Mary and Martha are. And Mary is the vessel willing to be filled. Martha is busy about many things. And she has not taken the time. She has not given of herself. She has not been able to be filled this is the one place in Luke's gospel where someone uses Lord, the term that they get who Jesus is, and yet is not the hero of the story. Lord, you've come into my house, but I'm busy about all of these things, and my hospitality is not to receive you, but to prepare things and be worried. So I invite you, as we come into this house, and we come to this table, come with a heart that is ready to be filled. Come and receive the hospitality that is love, the capital L love that fills our hearts. Come and receive the better part. Come and receive the one thing that is necessary for you on this day. Come and encounter Christ as the host at this table. And then go out. Go out filled with his love that you may welcome people into that love. And go and be sent out in wonder about who you might welcome. Remembering the exhortation at the end of the epistle to the Hebrews. Do not neglect to receive strangers. Do not neglect to show hospitality to all people. For in doing so, some have received angels unaware. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.